0: Well, welcome all right. thank you all for being here uh today as we um wrap up the uh three week mini series on the fruit of the spirit all right um and so as a reminder i i, I think uh, i got Kaylin back there she's doing awesome um if caitlin if you'll go to the first one uh, this is a reminder of where we've been uh the first two okay and, and, and again i don't want to take any Credit for the outline, Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorites. Um, he he classified the nine fruits into these three categories. And so we had Godward, uh, love, joy, and peace, and then manward. A lot of times with the relationship with others, people, patience, kindness, and goodness. Last week, and then this week, more selfward, um, faithfulness, and self-control. For sure, I think I'd argue gentleness could could go under a manward category as well. Um, you know, because it's kind of a two-part thing there. Uh, and so today we're we're looking at the last three. Um, and so I want to go ahead and read our, our main text for this series, which is Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So I know I've asked this before. I don't know. It comes up a lot in, my, in, in what I'm thinking and, and uh, preparing and praying and all that. But uh, the, the old school Incredible Hulk uh, show in the 80s. Anybody familiar? Okay, you can actually watch that for free now. Alright, have you seen it? Okay. You need to watch it, man. But David Banner, you know, who, who became Incredible Hulk, he is famous for uttering the words, um, don't make me angry, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You know? I, and I think about that because I, I feel like, well, anger might not be, you know, yours um, or, or mine's particularly. May it, it might be. Uh, I do think that you know we could stretch that a little bit because I feel like maybe sometimes we feel like nobody would like us if they really knew us if they really knew me um you know in the dark behind closed door whatever the word is you know uh would, would people even like me at all um and, and so um I mean I'm I'm sure that people would care for me you know uh maybe uh, but but I don't even know if that's the truth to be honest with you. The thing is, God does and, and uh he cares who we are alone and how we are towards others. And so these last three fruits of the spirit relates like I said earlier, more of a Christian conduct, uh what was more last week. Uh but again, today it, it's more of an inward thing. But but it will be expressed outward in, in certain cases as well, though, uh on these three. Okay, so uh and let me apologize to my Two English teachers in the room, real quick, okay? Uh, because um, Sally and I always like to talk to Sally about it afterwards, and and she and, and I know I do this uh, from time to time. I apologize for the un for the unbalanced um, points, okay? All right, so uh, Miss Donna, I think is going to like she's going to kick me out or something. I think she's going to give me an F uh, today. Uh, but but uh, you know, it, it was I'll be honest, more challenging than I than I originally thought. Um, uh, when when I was going through this, but I still hope that you'll be blessed uh, through it, and and don't hold it against me too bad. Okay, all right. Okay, good. All right. Um, so the first one is faithfulness. Me, and I want to say thank you again that there's no f- uh, flying uh, cows. All right, on the screen this time. <laughs> I, I did correct that. All right, <laughs> uh, PJ had me laughing a couple of weeks ago. Um, faithfulness is is a two parter. All right, as a two-parter, it has to do with with two main things. When you know, when you think of the word faithfulness, um, and in the fruit of the spirit, it has to do with dependability, all right? And taking God at His word. Okay, so there's two parts here. And so let's start with the first one. All right, the the idea of dependability. And we have these short little mini, I don't know what doing, subheadings or something here. Uh, faithfulness is kin to dependability. All right, it's very uh, close to it. it. You know, in other words, it means doing what you say you'll do. All right. Don't you appreciate people like that, Jimmy? All right. They tell you you're gonna be there. They're there. You know, they're don't tell me you're gonna help me, you're gonna do something for me, you don't show up. Okay, don't talk a big game. Show up and do it, right, coach? Right, don't, don't talk about it, be about it, is what some people would say back in the day. Uh, but I think we all appreciate that, you know. Um and, and faithfulness, as Tony Evans says, means constancy, perseverance, and dependability. Constancy, perseverance dependability i i I think this is i think this is very underrated you know very very underrated i think oftentimes gets overlooked you know because um someone who is faithful is there capital t-h-e-r-e with estimation marks and that matters they're there okay they show up on time right brother pj they're there when they say they're going to be they go to work they're there okay (coughs) even if they even if the job stinks and y'all know my, you know how a couple of years ago, boy, I did not want to be the dean, okay, at all. And that's one. That's probably the job I've hated the most in all my years. Okay, but I went every day, and did my job. Although I hated it, and I'm not trying to take credit, but but that's example. It's example. And God, only God did I did I could I ever do every second of that. But it, it, it's you know dependable and constant. Um, you know I feel like people who especially are from stable homes, um, don't appreciate that sometimes. You know. Uh, until you have to get, kind of think about it. You know what I mean? But those who are not from, uh, from stable homes, oh, they get it. They get it because they know because their parents aren't there at their event. Okay? They don't, have a, they don't have a mom at house. They don't have a dad at the house. You know? And, and so I feel like for those of us, sometimes we, we, we uh, don't really appreciate the importance of being there. And I, I can tell you, Mom, I don't know if she's going to watch it later, but I knew my mom was going to be there at my games. You know, and, and to the point where, and when I played basketball in high school, I had to find her. I had to find her in the stands before I, before the game started. I wasn't even right mentally and emotionally until I found her. Okay, and when I found her, I was like, okay, my mom's here. Okay, it's a little thing, but she was there, dependable. Uh, and so the question is, you know, that I have, are, are you are you faithful? Are we are we faithful to carry our responsibilities? Are we? Are we truly dependable? Are we reliable no matter what? Are we loyal? Um And then. I went, you know, a little more here. Let's go a little more here. Are we really? Are we? Are, are we? Christ, are we Christians? Any more faithful than non Christians? See, because we we talked about this before. You know, it, there, sometimes there's, there's, there's a whole be a whole lot of difference in some areas of life. You know, uh, I mean, are, are there any Christians that that are that cheat company time? Right. I mean, I I, I can't answer that. Okay, only for myself, but um, I'm sure there might be some, okay, uh, that, that, that aren't faithful, who don't really work hard when they're there, when they're at their job, okay, uh, and that's still in time, all right, and so, uh, you know, and, and I don't know if I've mentioned this story before, but when I was in college, I was involved in campus outreach, um, it was a, a I think a Presbyterian thing there, uh, and, and so I was involved for my last year or so, and during the summer before my senior year, um, of college, we were in Daytona, and, um, all the cool people got to work construction, um, you know, all the cool guys, and make more money. Um, and then the rest of us had to work in hotels, all right? And so you were either, and then at the hotels, there was like a ranking system there. If you were like really cool, you could get like, you could be like the mechanic. You'd be like the guy who just walked around all day, okay? My roommate, Rick, he just walked around the whole time. I said, like, what do you even do during the day? Like, he's like, I'll just walk around, Pat, Man, I'm going to talk to this people, that people, you know, that person. Um, I folded towels and sheets, and washed towels and sheets all day, every day, all summer at a Howard Johnson's. That's what I did, okay, and the bottom, when there was no air conditioner, all right? it's You know what I mean? So that's what I did. Uh, and, but but the, the rest of the story is um, I actually worked with a young lady named Christina. still remember her name. That was like 96, 95, 96, I don't know, 95. Uh, and um, she was blind, all right? She was legally blind. Uh, she had glaucoma and cataracts. She could do her job, okay. To as far as like, because the only thing she needed to know really is if it was white or not white. So she could put it right up to her face and tell if that sheet or towel was white or not white, okay. Uh, and so she did. She did a good job, y'all. Uh, she could run the run the whole laundry mat herself, okay. But it was just her, she and I, us two. That was it, okay. And the first day, the first couple of days, man, she was like, she drove me crazy. And then I felt bad because I'm getting mad at somebody who's blind, you know, and then I felt bad. But, you know, when I'm young, you know, I don't know how to deal with conflict yet. I'm still in college, you know, and, and so I'm like, I don't really know. And but I got tired of her being like, Patrick, make sure you make sure you did that. Make sure you get that, get, you know, unload that, wa- that the washing machine, that dryer. Hey, are you, are you folding, Patrick? Are you folding? Just all day long, constantly asking me because I knew she couldn't see me. Right, and that sounds bad, but I'm just trying to make the point. She couldn't see me do it. So how does she really know I'm doing it? Right? Maybe maybe I'm over there chilling, you know, and eating peanut butter and sam- peanut butter jelly sandwich or something and they got my feet up, you know, hanging out. I I, I wasn't I was working. And, and so I actually had to tell her, uh, you know, I had to stop after like two or three days, like the first week. I said, "Christina, we have to stop for a second. I need to talk to you. Okay? Please stop asking me if I'm doing my job every 5 minutes, okay?" And then she made me feel bad. And she said, Well, you know, I can't see. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> that's, that's the part of the, that's the thing that's yeah, making it hard for me right now. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and I told her, I said, Look, you know, uh, one of my favorite verses is in Colossians whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for men. Uh, you, I need you to know I'm going to do my job. You won't ever have to ask if Patrick is doing his job because I'll be doing my job. All right. And and she said, okay, okay, And then end up becoming good friends and she never asked again, you know. And and so a long story there. But 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 the point, I think, goes with this idea of being being faithful, being dependable, doing what you're supposed to do. Um, uh, And so faithfulness is the next one. Faithfulness in terms of having faith in God. Now, the next story I love, and I'll try to shorten it down a little bit for the sake of time, but, man, I can, I can only shorten it down too much, okay? So there's a guy uh, years and years ago in the 1850s. I always tell my students, and no, I was not born back then, all right? Um, but 18, the summer of 1859, all right? And, and apparently this guy named Charles Blondin had been doing these crazy stunts for, for a while. So Charles Blondin, what he would do is, is uh, he would take a tightrope, stretch over a quarter mile, and span the breadth of Niagara Falls. Okay, uh, you know, Can you imagine the thundering sound of the pounding water and drowning out all other sounds as you watch a man step onto the rope and walk across? Some of y'all may be familiar with this, okay? That's okay, it's still good. All right, uh, so Charles Blondin did this. He made it famous in the summer of 1859. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States as huge crowds on both sides looked with shock and awe. They get like, man, this is awesome. Uh, once he crossed in a sack, uh, once on stilts, right? Uh, uh, another time on a bicycle, like, really? Okay, this got crazy. All right, what's he doing? Okay, um, and once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelet. How do you do that? I don't know how you do that. Okay, I don't know if that, I'll have to check my facts on that one. But anyway, all right, you, you get the point. So on July 15th of 1859, Blondin walked backward across a tightrope to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. All right, returned pushing a the wheelbarrow. The, the, the story is told that it was after pushing a wheelbarrow across while blindfolded, imagine that, coach, All right, Mister. Right, that blonde and asked for some audience participation. So the, the crowds had watched and oohed and ahh He had proven that he could do it. Uh, of that, there was no doubt. He could, he could do it. He could go across with that wheelbarrow, you know, blindfold and everything. So uh, he apparently looks at the audience and says, "Do you believe I can carry a person across in the wheel in a wheelbarrow?" Of course, the crowd said, "Yes, yes, we believe it. You can do it." All right, go. Oh, yeah, you can do it. And then it was then that Blondin posed the question, "Who will get in the wheelbarrow?" Then, uh, of course, none did. Okay, all <laughs> right. Uh, faith is faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. Okay? All right, faith is getting in that wheelbarrow, and and, uh, and and even when we don't understand or don't see, don't you know that that God is going to take care of it. Amen. See the word. Pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. I have to be careful with that one. All right, uh, is the word for faith, for faithfulness in this in this passage. It means this: the leaning. And you'll listen to this. This is very, to me, very, very important. The leaning of the entire human personality upon God, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. The word pistis, that faithfulness, come from. I'm going to read it again. The le- the leaning of the entire human personality upon God all all of you leaning on God okay um and not just most of it or some of it some of it but all of it Mr. Mike okay right all of it uh in absolute trust In absolute trust and confidence in his power wisdom and goodness and we'll return to the story of Mr. Blonde and Lady later um it's a wholehearted trust in God that he is who he says he is and the next little subheading here, subpoint, whatever you want to call it, is God is the source of our faithfulness. And so, as I alluded to a few minutes ago, uh, those, those people we talked about earlier who are unreliable, right? Undependable, makes us not trust people, right? It's hard to trust people when we've been hurt and people hadn't shown up and all that. You know, we can't have faith in them. Thank God our Father is not that way. Amen? All right. See, see the wonderful thing here is that our Heavenly Father can be trusted. He can be trusted. He has been so faithful to us. And I can't wait till next week. And hopefully some of y'all will come and y'all share your stories and your your testimonies and hearing about how God was so faithful in your life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For every one of God's promises is yes in Him. Therefore, through Him we also say amen to the glory of God. And the word amen means so be it. So be it. Amen. So be it. God will do what He says He's going to do. Amen. So be it. We can trust him; he's faithful to the end. Revelations nineteen eleven. Even you know we see the the uh, you know Jesus coming back and uh, and all that that story there. Not going to go in great detail, but uh, I I love the name of the writer. uh, Revelation nineteen verse eleven. Then I saw heaven opened. There was a white horse. Its rider is called faithful and true, and with justice he judges and makes war. But our God is faithful. Our God is true. Amen. And then the next thing about faith, and this is one, we're on faith a lot, okay? So I'm warning you ladies, my teachers, this is the one that's pretty big, okay? (laughs) All right. Uh, The next one, present, excuse me, persistent faith is what is needed. Persistent faith. That was part of the definition earlier when we talked about faithfulness anyway. uh, You know, um, are you ever like uh, with your favorite team? Jimmy, you're like, man, this year's our year, man. Maybe next year. <laughs> All right. Okay. Like, right. already, my Red Sox, oh, next year, sorry. All right. Because we happen to be in the toughest division of baseball, goodness sake, man. All right. Um, but, you know, I, I love this this scene. I wish I had more time to, to get into the details, but I, I think you'll see some, uh, somebody with persistent faith in this. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. It's a story that Jesus told. It says, Now he, Jesus, told them a parable on the need for them to pray, always and not give up pray always not give up he says there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear god or respect people he wasn't god fearing wasn't a christian okay um yet all right verse three and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying give me justice against my adversary don't really know great the details there but something's going on there and she wants justice okay uh for a while he was unwilling but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or even respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Okay. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? See, we we're God's elect, and, and hopefully we're crying out to him as, as often as possible. And verse eight says, I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Which is a, another sermon for another day, but may we be persistent like this lady. And we and, and we, we we keep our faith. Even though we can't see it, we don't understand what's going on and don't feel like God's answering prayers. May we I want to I wanna encourage you today, be persistent. Be have that persistent faith like this lady. Okay. And then may our may our uh May we also see that the righteous should live by faith. Romans 1, 17. For in it, this is a short one, but still, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as written, the righteous will live by faith. That's what we live in. You know, as Christians, we're only righteous through what Jesus, you know, for placing our faith in what Jesus did for us anyway. (coughs) Righteous comes from Him anyway, amen. So, So we live by faith. Faith should be something that represents Christians, okay, that they're faithful. They have faith in God and they're faithful, right? First John 5 4 says, Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world the world. Now listen to this last sentence. This is the victory that has conquered the world. Our faith. Hey, our faith has conquered the world. Because we know how tough the world can be sometimes. Uh, and it's oh man, let's just get away, you know, but we have faith that, that God is still in control. Our faith and God conquers. And then what if we want a little bit more? Can we get a little more? All right. Go get more faith, okay? Kind of a weird sub-point there. Uh, maybe not the best grammar in the world, All right, but Mark 9, verses 20 through 24. Y'all, we, we, we did this when we went through Mark uh, for a whole year. It says Verse 20 says, So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, the little boy who was, uh, had some issues here we're going to see in just a second. When the spirit saw him, all right, uh, had was filled with evil spirits there, it, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He, he fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happened to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it's thrown him in the fire or water to destroy him. And sometimes it's going going to destroy and kill my son. But if if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And, And my favorite part of this, immediately the father and the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. This is something that I have to pray a lot. I believe, but please help me, help my unbelief. All right, God. So we can get more faith. I I hope that you can relate. I mean, um, it's been so long, God. We haven't heard back from you. You know, this thing is still happening. Uh, May we continue to be persistent like the the widow and, uh, and then be honest with God like this Father and says, help my unbelief. I have faith, God, but help me have more. It's been so long. And then Jude 20, verse 21 goes with this. It says, But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. So I want to encourage you all right, to build uh, to build that up and uh, continue to have faith in a God that's good. Amen. Build yourselves up. And then the last sub point, faithfulness to the end. Uh, may we all one day be able to say the same thing that Paul says on 2 Timothy 4, 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have what? I have kept the faith. And may we all be able to say say those things. And so the final three fruits of the Spirit, and sorry I didn't keep that up there very long earlier, so maybe keep that a little bit longer this time, Caitlin. Um, it's my fault. Our, our selfward in nature and are enumerated as faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and then so the next one is gentleness and um, meekness, humility. Um, I don't know if we if we should have favorites, <laughs> you yeah. know. I just really, really appreciate this one. Uh, I just really do. Um, and, and again, this is one that's going to be kind of both self selfward uh, and manward. And, and we're going to start with us first subpoint point. Simply, is gentleness is a characteristic of Christ, of course. Okay. Uh, Matthew 11 verse 29 a very famous passage that I'm sure some of you may even have memorized uh, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Right? Jesus Christ himself speaking okay? uh, interestingly enough um, in, in that time pagans used to confuse the word Christos with the name of Christ Christos one letter off Okay, let me spell it for you. So the name of Christ uh the 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 name is actually C H R I S T O S and the word for meekness and gentleness is C H R E S T O S. It's one word off and it's some just like it can be the i and e can sound so much the same and so people would actually pagans would actually confuse that name uh and think oh Jesus oh, you saying you're saying meekness but when you think about it um that there's not really a, a huge A huge mistake in the light of the nature of christ right he is meek. you know he is gentle amen and so uh titus 3 verse 4 and 5 says but when the kindness of god our savior all right the kindness of god our savior and his love for mankind appeared he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done but according to his mercy through the washing regeneration and renewal by the holy spirit it was the kindness, the gentleness, the meekness of God. Also in Romans 2, verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of His kindness? Restraint and patience, not recognizing, this is the main part, that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Can anybody say amen to that? We thank God that amen that He waited on me, that He was gentle with me, right, when He didn't have to be. All right, Boy, I was hard-headed. And, and, you know, it took me a while. It took some of us longer than others. All right, But... His his uh his kindness was intended to lead you to repentance, to, to recognize that he is the source of all life. And, and the next one, the next sub point is I like to, to change the word from gentleness to meekness to make it rhyme. Right, Miss Donna? All right. Meekness is not weakness. Hey, can y'all say that for me one time? Meekness, meekness is not weakness. You need to get this. Because the world does. It. <laughs> Okay, right, right with the PJ. The world doesn't get it. They see the word meek and gentle, and, you know, your manly man's like, ah, God. meekness, humility. You know, they, 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 they throw it off as if it's not important. No, it doesn't mean somebody's, somebody's weak no. you now. Far from it. It's weakness in, uh, under strength, with strength. Under control. Uh, it's I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's that control there. I, I love. I love the definition. In fact, that here's the actual uh, definition because I just completely messed that up. All right. Uh, the gentleness is power under control. Power under control. It's a, it didn't say weakness under control. It said power un, under control uh, because our simple minds likes to think of that as like a pushover. You know, it reminds me, and um, I think Sally remembers this, but when I was a youth Pastor, in Lee in Madison County for a couple of years, uh, we went to camp. It was a huge camp, and we, we um, saw a skit, a drama they used to put on that was great. You know, uh, and and we um, asked if we could borrow it and get the script and use it, you know, in our area. And we did, I man. We did it at several churches, man. We a whole production, y'all. <laughs> like, for real. It was like a whole hour long. All right. And it was, the, I can't remember the name of it. I mean, yeah, stained glass Jesus, and 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 the idea was, uh, you know, about going to great detail was that you know that basically people look at Jesus in different ways. They have these these, these preconceived notions of Jesus. You know, uh, he's a judge. Uh, what was the other one? He's, he's Judge Jesus and pushover Jesus, the cream puff, uh, powder puff, or whatever you call it. cream puff was the one that I'm getting at. You know, uh, what's that? Santa Claus was the third one. What was the other one? Santa Claus. Santa Claus yep. Sorry and I can't hear. And uh, anyway, but there's different ones, different like variations of what people think about Jesus, right? Common misconceptions. But one was the cream puff one. And it was kind of funny. Right? In a way. Like, oh, it was a pushover. Oh, I'm going to give you candy and you know and cookies. Oh, you can do anything. Oh, yeah, go do that. It's okay. I and mean, you know, you're never going to you get on to you and all that. Um, it's like a pushover. But again, meekness is not weakness, right? Can you say it again for me? weakness is not weakness um I, I think and there's so many people i could think of for this but um you know i think of uh, this morning i was thinking of of, of people like joe mathis for anybody who know mr joe mathis um you know just a, a meat man you know strong man you know, not a pushover you know you're not a pushover if you're on a tractor and you you know, and doing stuff with hay, and you're doing stuff with cows, and you're doing stuff with tobacco, and all that. You feel me? All right, clevy Self, you know, meek. You know, uh, my dad, Another farmer. farmers. Think of the farmers, man. You know, and and, and how strong they are. All right. Um, I, I think of I think of athletes, you know, as well. And I think of meekness, man. I, you know, and and, and Coach Mitchell knows what I'm talking about. But uh, there was a basketball player in swanee, Jimmy Hamilton. All right, still one of the best players I ever coached against. Uh, apparently a super guy. <laughs> Dog on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh but you know, he was he was just a really good dude. And and I tried, we tried, you know, I had to well I mean go ahead go ahead and admit it, but I yeah, I told my guys to do whatever they could do to get under his skin. Okay. If that meant talk a little trash or, you know, uh pull on his jersey or pinch him on the side or step on his foot, you know, we might have done that. Okay? All right. And so uh uh it didn't matter. He was nothing. He he was his expression never changed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Trent Forrest, in the last game I coached against, still the best player I ever coached against. You know, he plays NBA now. You couldn't get under his skin. He was meek, humble. Uh, Kevin McClain, our very own. All right, Very very own Kevin McClain, you you couldn't. His expression was not going to change. You couldn't get under his skin. It was power under control. You weren't going to rattle him. Just not, you just weren't going to do it. Uh, look at what the, the Bible says in another, uh, I read earlier this morning in another reference, Ephesians 4, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. So we should, we should have, uh, we should strive for that. Gentleness, as Tony Evans says, is seen in the one who practices tenderness in submission to God. It, it's, a, it's a mildness that is not easily provoked or angered. Meekness is not a weakness. Okay, It is not a weakness. And, and the next little sub-point is we should strive for it. We should strive for it. James 3.13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct he should show that his works are done in a gentleness that comes from wisdom. It comes from wisdom. And then the next one is gentleness, and this is where it kind of goes out. Gentleness shows consideration of, for others. Okay. Gentleness can, can also be referred to as, as courtesy, um, considerateness. A, a humble, um, assuming, unassuming spirit. Uh, I, I think of just even little small glimpses of when students hold the door open for somebody when they don't have to. You know, and I'm always, always remember to say thank you, PJ, for doing that. I appreciate you, man. You know, as I walk by, I appreciate you doing it. You didn't have to do that, but thank you. All right. Second Timothy two verses twenty two through twenty six says, "Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on your name." excuse me, calling the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient. Verse 25, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What do I mean there? Um, well that means that we don't angrily respond to everything on Facebook. Okay. Uh that's just one. All right. We have to be careful, we have to be careful. Uh I was just reading this morning in a, in a book um, uh about I can't remember the name of on about Christianity. Me, I can't remember the name of. Anyway, uh JD Greer uh is telling a story about being in, in Waffle House and uh you know and, and he's in he hears uh people talk about God in a Waffle House. He's like, oh, yeah. he said, "I just don't know about God. I I I don't know what, what I believe, and, and he's thinking, "Well, I have a Master's of Divinity. I'm here to save the day. you know And then the waitress comes up and says, "Yeah, but those Christians, I don't want to hear any of those Christians. They just you know, they don't have any compassion for anybody and something. And he was like, well, sit down and eat my hash browns. Because um, you know, again, uh, we talked about last week, you know how, how the, the, the long time, the worst day for tippers was on Sundays. You know, and so just be careful, all right? Don't, we shouldn't respond to everything. We we truly cannot have humility until we have a proper view of ourselves, which is another sermon we don't have time for today, all right? Uh, we need to realize that we are nothing. We really aren't all that in a bag of chips. Is that still a saying? I don't know. Okay, all right. Is that still a saying? I can still say it. Alex, all right. So the final three fruits of the spirit are self-worth and nature, and they're enumerated again as as faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, self-control. And this is going to be a shorter one, so again, I told you all ahead of time, all right? Okay. But self-control, according to the ESV study Bible, is the discipline given by the Holy Spirit that allows Christians to resist the power of the flesh. It's definitely one we have to rely on the Holy Spirit with. Galatians 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. It's the, it's the idea of self-mastery, self-restraint, um, temperance, moderation. Uh, Tony Evans says, when we say no to sin and yes to God in the midst of temptation, we exhibit self-control. Okay? Um, Keener says self-control, and I, I thought this was very interesting. Self-control was one of the virtues most emphasized by philosophers and most respected in Roman society it was highly respected uh, uh, philosophers often taught that the wise needed no law to regulate them uh, because their virtue itself was a law right. uh, Paul says that people of the spirit fulfill the moral intent of the law by means of the spirit guiding their lives but I thought that was interesting Longman said self control was a quality of mastery over one's impulses and faculties lending aid in one's struggle in resisting temptation so I, I you know Coach Mitchell and the other coaches in the room can, can tell you that the self-discipline teams, okay, those were a lot more fun to teach, the coach, right? A lot more fun, okay? Um, uh, First Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. I, I love this passage as a former athlete and, and former coach. It says, don't you know, Paul says, don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race but only one receives a prize? running away running such a way to win the prize now everyone who competes exercises self-control and everything they do it to receive a perishable crown but we an imperishable crown so i do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air instead i discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others i myself will not be disqualified so you see the element of self-control in there um I don't know how many times I've said this this quote to students, and I bet some of my teachers probably said something like this as well. The students are athletes. I've said this: discipline yourself, and others won't have to. Hey, okay. discipline yourself, and other people won't have to do it for you. All right, um, and, you know, I, and I do believe that that we should be careful to have self control in some areas. Another one that we don't have time to go in great detail, but you know, alcohol is one is an area that that you know is is one that that self control. Uh, needs to be practiced here. What we say, you know, some of us, you know, we're okay with the alcohol part, but we don't have any problem just running off at the mouth. Okay. And, and I can do that sometimes. All right. Um, especially teachers. I don't know why that is, right, teachers? Why would we just like to just, if you get with other complainers, well, we just join right in. I could have, how can we having the best week in the world? And I'm still going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, like, I don't know uh, what it is, uh, what we eat, our, our passions, but. Uh, self-control. And we should pursue it. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 6 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. Right? And you can see uh, the rest there. Self-control, the, next, the last sub-point is self-control shows commitment. Let me go back to 1 Corinthians 9, the first part of the passage I just read, verse 24. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. And we're committed. We're committed to God and what He what, and what He's doing in our lives. The CSB study Bible explains it this way. Self-control, uh, which actually means holding in passions and appetites, is placed last in the list for emphasis because all the works of the flesh reflect lack of self-control. There is no need for prohibited law when people's lives exhibit love and self-control. Okay. So again, we see the final three fruits there of the Spirit are selfward in nature and are enumerated as uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then as we conclude today, right, I want to read to you the next two verses in Galatians 5 as we close. Okay, uh, So we read the last three weeks, 22 and 23. Let's look at 24 and 25 as we wrap it up. Tie a bow on it and put it under the tree or whatever you do. Okay. All right. Now those... Who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So, the first obvious question before Caitlin goes to the next screen, all right, and she she did there and it's okay, all right. The first obvious one there in verse 24 is Do we we belong to Christ? Do you belong to Christ? Do you truly belong to Christ? Have you truly put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross as, as counting for you? All right. And then verse 25 If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, uh, may we keep in step with the Spirit. Right? In, in areas that, that maybe we, we went through, you know, when you're like, eh, I could do better there. You know, God, give me more of that. Help me exemplify those, you know, uh, bear those fruits in my life. Because okay? again, as we said at the very beginning, um, this comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Can't do it on our own. Okay. You can do some of this for a little while, maybe, but uh, true, true fruits of the Spirit are of the Spirit. Okay. Uh, I heard, uh, I heard somebody, a preacher say in reference to the wheelbarrow illustration right, uh, that we said earlier, and I even alluded to it and talked about faithfulness, but really coming to salvation, like salvation really is like getting inside that wheelbarrow. Okay. We can watch people. We have watch other Christians. You know, we live their lives and, and with faith and they walk in that, that, walk in that rope over, you know, crazy storms in their life and they keep walking, all right? And, and sometimes it's like they're blind and they're like, man, look at those people, look at those Christians. You know, salvation is, is getting in that wheelbarrow and be like, okay, God, I trust you, okay, you know, uh, with everything. And so I, I want to encourage you, uh, you know, to keep praying, keep striving, keep learning and if you've never placed your faith in Christ I, I pray that you will do that today as uh, alex comes up and sally leaves us and i apologize we uh, been a few minutes over over there and don't